You're listening to the Grace Covenant Statesville Audio Podcast. Well, if you have your Bibles, look with me to the book of Galatians. Book of Galatians chapter 1. So we're in the New Testament, kind of halfway through the New Testament. You'll come to the book of Galatians and you have the sermon notes there if you'd like to follow along. Today we are actually concluding the toxic series as we've been talking about beliefs and behaviors that can create trouble in us. How many of you know we can have toxic beliefs and behaviors, right? It's not just me. Are you with me? We can have toxic beliefs in our lives, maybe passed down in our family that can be um, detrimental, creating trouble in our lives. So far in this series, we've, we've talked about toxic thinking. If we're not careful, we can be infected and affected by toxic thinking that brings about toxic behaviors in our lives. We can have what I call stinking thinking. You know what I'm talking about? Maybe not you, but someone sitting there beside you, right? You, you've been affected by toxic Thinking and, and then the second week of the series, I think it was the second week, we talked about toxic influences and how the wrong influences in our lives can lead us in the wrong direction, bringing us oftentimes to the wrong destination. So we, have, we want to guard ourselves from toxic influences. Last Sunday, Pastor Sam talked about toxic words. And you know, the words that we speak can bring life or death, Right. The words that we speak can add value to others or can diminish the value in their lives. But if we're not careful, we can, we can uh, allow toxic words to get out of our mouths. We can injure others or potentially you've been injured by toxic words. So we need to, we need to guard our words. And this, this morning we're going to conclude this series talking about toxic religion. Religion that robs people of life rather than giving life. Now I've noticed down through the years, Whenever I'm enjoying a great conversation with someone I just met, often the common question is, well, what do you do for a living, right? You've probably asked people that question before. So you just meet someone having a conversation, what do you do for a living? Now, because I'm a pastor, I never want to tell people what I do for a living. So I try to skirt the question. I say something like, they say, well, what do you do for a living? I say, well, I, I work for uh, an organization. They say, oh, really? So what do you do in the organization? Well, I do some staff training. I do some communicating. And really, that's interesting. And they keep prodding and pulling. What's the name of the organization? And finally, I have to tell them. Well, I'm a pastor, uh, and I, I pastor Grace Covenant Church. And interesting, once I make that statement, once I identify what I do, it's amazing how the conversation quickly changes. <laughs> interesting. I mean, if it happens to be a, a, a fellow believer, the conversation switches to, you know, I'm in the club to spiritual talk. Like, praise Jesus. Thank you. Pastor, so good to see you. Interesting. Several years ago, I was having a, I met someone and having a conversation. Um, they were, uh, they were a believer and they were smoking a cigarette. Now, I'm, I'm not, I'm not talking about cigarettes, but they were smoking a cigarette. And once they found out what I, what I did for a living, they put the cigarette behind their back. So you see the smoke kind of coming up over their shoulder, like, like, I'll just be real. I mean, we could have been talking about pickup trucks. We could have been talking about fishing. We could have been talking about hunting or, or some shopping adventure. And it's amazing how quick the conversation changes. I think there's, I think that's a thing with toxic religion. And the other side of the coin, if, if this individual that you, that I just met happens to be a non-believer, um, it's amazing how quick the guard goes up. I mean, like quicker than a race car at Talladega. Um, 
And it's again, it's the problem of what I think is toxic religion. So what do we mean by toxic? Looking there to your notes. Toxic is anything containing poisonous material capable of causing sickness or death. Toxic is anything that can contaminate your life, resulting in injury to yourself or possibly injury to others. And when we put the word toxic with religion, we end up with a belief system that's not only going to be dangerous to yourself, but most likely it's going to manifest itself in some ugly ways to those that you're doing life with. Listen, Christianity is not intended to be one of the world's major religions, but rather it's supposed to be a relationship with one true loving God through His Son, Jesus Christ. But down through the years, even up to present day, we humans have a tendency to take what God meant for relationship and turn it to religion. Now, I think it's interesting. If you look to the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, if you look to the Gospels, you'll find that Jesus had most of his corrective, directive words not for the prostitutes, not for, like, the thieves or the sinners. You know who, you know who he gave his most directive words to? Want to take a guess? The religious folks. I mean, that was the common. I mean, throughout the gospel, you see this, this tension playing out. So the religious crowd, they were trying to get Jesus to follow their rules. And Jesus was coming, introducing the way of grace. And there was this conflict. We see toxic religion playing out. Matter of fact, I would say that it was toxic religion that took Jesus to the cross. And it was there that Jesus gave his life on the cross not to secure greater religion for you and I, but to open the way to a life-giving relationship with a God who loves us outra- outra- outrageously. It has nothing to do with religion. It's, it's really all about relationship. So what is religion? Let me give you a working definition of religion. It's there in your notes, so we're kind of all on the same page this morning. Religion is any system, rules, expectations, or regulations that promises God's acceptance or God's approval in return for human effort, in return for your works, in return for what you can do. In other words, we work to achieve God's love and acceptance. It's been said that that religion is man's effort to be right with God. Through keeping rules, through all of the things that I'm doing. Some scholars even say that the word religion means to return to bondage. So when we return to religion, we're going back to a place of slavery. We're We're moving away from what Christ came to establish. So when we have toxic religion, we have regulations and rules that rob people of life rather than giving life. We have demands and expectations that weigh people down rather than bringing greater freedom. The toxic religion is all about what we have to do when relationship is really all about what Jesus has done. So it's what I have to do or I can embrace what Jesus has done. Jesus didn't come to bring us more rules to follow. He came to bring us freedom. That was the hope of Jesus came and gave his life that we might have not more rules and regulations, but that we might have more life and that we might have that life abundantly. John 10, 10. That's what Jesus says. Well, we see a a strong example of of toxic religion playing out in the New Testament here in in the book of Galatians. The Apostle Paul, I don't know if you would know this or not, but the Apostle Paul was a church planner. He would go from region to region preaching The gospel message, the gospel of grace, people would get radically saved. He would raise up leaders, establish the church, and then he would go on to another region, 
preach the gospel, people get saved, raise up leaders, establish a church, go on to another region. Well, Paul came to this region of Galatia, and he preached the gospel message, the gospel of grace. People got saved. He started a church, raised up leaders. He goes on only sometime later to find out that they've been infected and affected by toxic religion. There were a group of individuals called the Judaizers who came in and they brought their toxic religion. So Judaizers were Jewish people who came to embrace the grace of Christ. They got saved, but they never let go of the law. So they came into a relationship with Christ, yet they wanted to hold on to the law. And so basically, this is what they told the, the, the young believers in Galatia. I said, you know, what Paul brought, the message of grace, is a good starting place. Like, that's a good place to start, but some add-ons. But there's some things that you need to take care of. But this, there's this issue of circumcision. Now, you've got to know, in the early church, the adult males were a little nervous as this message of circumcision came, Right? I mean, as a pastor today, it's hard enough for me to convince adult men to get baptized, much less get circumcised. I mean, like, if we were to restore the rite of circumcision, like, we're going to have a rite of circumcision at the end of the service day. How many of you know we'd have a female-dominated church? That's what I know. But we have the Judaizers who brought this toxic religion. And they were saying, you know, basically what they were saying, the grace of God's not enough. Grace is good, but you've got to have your human effort. You have, to, you have to follow these 600 some laws along with grace. So Paul writes a scathing letter to the church that he loved. It's not that he didn't love them. He loved them. But he writes this scathing letter specifically. The book of Galatians is specifically addressing toxic religion. So look with me, if you would, Galatians chapter 1. I want to read just a couple verses Verse 6 and 7. Paul says, I'm astonished, I'm shocked that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ. And you're turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. Interesting, that word pervert there means to poison. The, the Greek word for pervert means to poison to taint, um, to create toxicity. So the Judaizers' additional rules polluted the purity of the gospel with religion. They took what was pure and they made it toxic. Basically, they were saying, if you really want to be accepted by God, if you really want to gain God's approval, then there's this that you must do. You must be circumcised and then there's the rest of these laws that you have to follow. Now, the good news for us today is there's not this issue of circumcision passing through the churches where individuals are demanding that you would be circumcised. However, I believe today that toxic religion is still alive in the church. And it, and it shows up in a lot of different ways. But I'm going to give you three present-day illustrations where I've seen toxic religion um, somewhat recently. Uh, so the first illustration would be there's a group of churches. I'm not going to mention the group of churches, but there's a group of churches that would say the King James Version is the only anointed, authorized version. If you really want to hear from God, you have to have the King James Version. Remember, I was driving down the road the other day, and I saw a sign out in front of the church, and at the bottom of the sign, it said, King James Version only. 
Like the message paraphrase is of the devil. You know, don't, you know, don't read it. You can't, you can't hear from God. In other words, you have to follow. If you really want to be approved by God, you have to follow. So here's a question for you. Do you know when the King James Version was actually brought about? 1611. So what happened before 1611? Like how would people hear from God? But, but they've created this rule and regulation. And it becomes toxic. So, in other words, if you're not reading this, then God's not going to approve of you. Really. Here's a second illustration. Some years ago, at Grace Covenant, someone brought a parenting curriculum called Parenting God's Way. It was a great curriculum, great principles, foundational principles. However... What happened over a period of time is the individuals who were leading the study came to say, this is the only way to parent. This is parenting God's way. And if you're not parenting this way, then the way you're parenting is wrong. And ultimately what it became is you're wrong. Now, how many of you know, kids are all different, (laughs) right? We have two, an 18-year-old, a 16-year-old, and they're really different. And we don't have a lot of different rules, but we have to parent our, our two children somewhat different because they are wired different. If, if you have more than one child in your home, you know exactly what I'm talking about. So, but this group said, here's the only way, and if you're not doing it this way, then God's not going to approve of the way you're parenting. So all of a sudden, they took something that was good and they made it bad. Here's another illustration. Sometime back, there was a family that left Grace Covenant Church, which is not uncommon. From time to time, people choose to leave Grace Covenant and go to other places of worship. The problem, though, with this family is they left Grace Covenant, but they took my email address with them. And that's not good. <laughs> Over a period of time, I began to get an email or two, and then my inbox just got overloaded. I got blasted with emails, and the emails were things like this. Pastor Farrell, if you really were a good pastor and you were pastoring Grace Covenant, well, you would teach the people of Grace Covenant not to eat pork. Now, I don't know about you, but I'd like me some bacon. (laughs) I'm a good country boy. I like some eggs and bacon. I understand it's probably not the most healthy of diets, but every once in a while, I like a little bacon. The individuals were hammering me about issues of diet and pork and how pork is unclean. And, and then they got on this rant of, if you were really pastoring the church well, you would be worshiping on Saturday, not Sunday, because you know Saturday's really the Sabbath, not Sunday. And after a while, I had to, and I, and I was very kind when I sent them the email, but I said, please don't email me anymore. I don't need your toxic religion. I don't need your add-ons. I don't need your to-dos of what I need to do to be approved of God. You see, that's the problem with, with toxic religion. There's, there's all of these add-ons. Let me quickly give you three qualities of toxic religion. The first is this. Toxic religion focuses on the external rather than the internal. It's all about appearance, not heart. It's about Outward, it's how, how you appear outwardly. It's not about like true inward transformation. So religion is our effort to close the gap between sinful humans and a holy God. Sadly, it reduces the beauty of the gospel to a checklist of do's and don'ts. It's interesting. When Jesus was confronting the religious leaders, 
concerning their toxic religion. This is what he said to them, Matthew 23, 25. He says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside they're full of greed and self-indulgence. In other words, Jesus was saying, on the outside, you look sparkling clean. You look really good, but on the inside, there's some corruption. Inside, there's some problems. Why? Because toxic religion always focuses on the external, the appearance, not the internal. Not only does it does religion focus on the externals, not the internals, it also focuses on rules instead of relationship. Big on rules, big on regulations. And we see this playing out in the church of Galatia. I mean, that's why Paul was writing this letter to the early church to say, why have you abandoned the gospel? Why have you abandoned the, the, the message of grace? And why have you left relationships to turn to rules, thinking that by your rule-keeping, you can somehow gain the approval of God? Listen, any time rules become, greater, become a greater priority than relationship and human effort becomes greater than God's grace, what you have is toxic religion. Here's a third quality of toxic religion. It focuses on what you must do rather than what Jesus did. Again, toxic religion becomes a human effort. So it's about what we have to do and what we have to do and what we have to do, hoping that in our doing, somehow we can gain approval, somehow we can gain forgiveness, somehow we can, we can in, in a greater way, gain God's love. And oftentimes, oftentimes it, it happens in such an innocent way because, for example, if I were to say to you, um, man, reading God's word is, is good. Now, you should read God's word because it's, it, it's good to transform your mind. I mean, I believe that this is God's um, map for our lives, that he's given us the word. So I think you should be reading the word. I think if you're a Christ follower, it's a healthy routine to have for your life. It's a healthy habit to have for your life. But if I were to say to you, if you really want to be approved by God, you need to read five chapters a day. Not three, not four, but it's five that really counts. And if you're not reading five a day, then you're really going to miss God. How many of you know I just took something good and I turned it into something that you have to do to be approved by God? So all of a sudden, something good just became toxic. Or, or we, could take, we could take fasting. I think the discipline of fasting is good. I think it opens our lives in a greater way to God. I would encourage you from time to time to embrace the discipline of fasting. I do in my own life because I think it's healthy spiritually. But if I were to say to you, if you really want God to love you even a little more than he already does, then you need to fast two days a week. How many of you know I just took something that was good and I made it bad. I just took something that was healthy and I made it unhealthy. It became toxic because all of a sudden the focus is not on what Jesus has done, but it's what you have to do. It's like, it's like what was happening in Galatia. There's, there's the add-ons that we create. Listen, what we need today is not more religion. We need more Jesus. Amen? We need more Jesus in our lives. And the good news for us is it's possible because of the provision of the cross. The Apostle Paul summarizes this for us in, in Romans chapter 3, verse 20 and following. I think we have it on the screen. So would you read this with me? Let's read this together. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in his sight by observing the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of sin. 
But now a righteousness from God, apart from law, has been made known to which the law and prophets testify. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. So here's the good news from Romans 3. First is you cannot earn God's acceptance by observing the law. Listen, there's no amount of rule keeping that can make you right with God. In other words, in your human effort, in your effort to be good, you can never be good enough. The problem, the problem's not with the law. The law was not bad. So the problem's not with the law. Want to guess where the problem's at? I'll give you one guess. The problem's you. The problem's me. Jesus didn't come to die because the law was bad. Jesus came to die because we were bad. And we couldn't be. We had a problem we couldn't solve. We had a situation that we had no solution to. The law is perfect. If you haven't figured this out yet, we're not. Like there's a pretty big gap between you and perfect. Can I get an amen on that? At least for your, say it for your mate, for nothing else. You know it's true. So Jesus Christ, the sinless one, paid the perfect, paid the price that, that we might be forgiven of our sin and we might be free from the law. I love the scripture in 2 Corinthians 5.21 that says this, God made him, being Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us so that in him, in Christ, we might become the righteousness of God. So today we're made right with God and we have the acceptance of God through the provision of Jesus Christ. See, the problem with religion is religion says that you can please God by your works. So we're driven to work harder and do better. Like if you try harder and you do better, then somehow God's going to love you more. And again, that's simply not true. Listen, no one, Paul says, no one will be declared righteous by keeping the law. And that no one includes you and me. A religious person might proudly say, I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't chew, and I don't go with girls that do. Like, if I can just be better, if I can just, like, get everything lined up. Listen, you can't. I'm sorry, you can't. So what's the purpose of the law? You might ask, well, what's the purpose of the law then? Why did God give the law? I think the purpose of the law was this. It's to show us our need for a Savior. And Paul explained that the law makes us aware of our, sinful, of our sinfulness, of our, of our need of a Savior. He said that through the law, we become conscious of our sin. Let's be, let's, let's be honest this morning. Once you come to know the Ten Commandments, you realize that you've broken several of them. If not all of them. Like we didn't even get out the gate before we in trouble. So what, what does the law do? The law shows us that we have a problem that we don't have a solution to. So the law really points to Jesus. Interesting, Jesus said this, I didn't come to destroy the law. I came to fulfill it. And he fulfilled the demands of the law by living a perfect life and then giving his life so that we might not have to live under religion, that we might not have to live under the law but that we might be able to live in that of the wonder of God's grace. So the law reveals we need a solution to our sin problem. Evangelist Ray Comfort, I don't know if you've ever heard of that name, but he asked a series of questions to help people see their need for Christ and and really the struggle of our humanity. And I've kind of 
summarized, that kind of created my own version of his questions. But let me ask you a couple of questions. Have you ever told a lie before? If you didn't raise your hand, you're... uh... Yeah, probably... I mean, if we're honest this morning, probably at some point in our lives, we've all told at least at least one line. Here's a second question. Have you ever broken the speed limit? Yeah, so probably we all have. I mean, if you have a driver's license and you've driven for more than a day, you've probably broken the speed limit at least once. So what does that make you? I mean, you're guilty. What does that make you? It makes you a lawbreaker. So you're a liar and you're a lawbreaker. (laughs) Ready for another question? (laughs) Have you ever placed anything ahead of God? Like placed something of a greater priority than God in your life? Probably so. So what's that called? Any, anytime you put something ahead of God, you give it greater value than God, that's, that's called an idol. It's called idolatry. So we're guilty of idolatry. Feeling bad yet? You're a liar, you're a lawbreaker, you're an idolater. Here's another question. Have you, have you ever taken anything that wasn't yours? Stolen something. See, some of you have been taking our church pins. We're going to talk about that. Just kidding. You can take them. It's part of our advertising plan. Please take as many as you want. Spread them throughout the community. But probably, I mean, I remember a time when I was young. I'm not going to too long of a story to go into when I took something that didn't belong to me, and wow, created a lot of pain. My parents knew how to create pain. It created a lot of pain in my life, but I took something that, that didn't belong to me. So, so think about this. Simply put, we're lying, law-breaking, idolatrous, thieving sinners. It's who we are. The list could go on and on, but the law shows us that we're not good enough. The law shows us that we're sinful people who need a Savior. We don't, listen, we don't need more religion. We need more Jesus. We need more of the grace of Christ in our lives. And I think that brings us to the best of the news today, the good news of the gospel. In Romans 3.22, Paul states, the right, This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. So righteousness with God comes by faith in Christ alone. So right standing with God or righteousness, not achieved by religion or going to church or doing religious things. It's only possible by believing and putting your faith in Jesus Christ. Right standing with God is not earned by human effort. It comes by grace through faith. In Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, Paul wrote these words, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And it's not of your works so that anyone could boast. If salvation was by works, do you know how miserable the church would be? We would be patting ourselves on the back. Look what I did. Look what I did. God says, no, it's not by works. None of you can be good enough. So I'm going to do something radical called called grace. I'm going to give you what you never deserve. 
being that of the forgiveness of your sins, an invitation into a relationship with a God who loves you outrageously. So we're made right with God, not by our effort, not by our works, not by our religion. It's only through Christ. See, here's the problem with toxic religion. It, it tries to add the extra buttons, the patches, the badges to perfect the completed provision of Christ. Listen, there's no add-ons. Now, that was, that's what Paul was saying to the church of Galatia. He says, why are you coming back to these add-ons? Why are you trying to like do these other things that somehow you might be right with God? Listen, religion... Religion is Christ plus anything. For for the Galatian believers, it was Christ plus the law. For us today, it might be Christ plus church membership. Or Christ plus tithing. Or Christ plus reading your Bible. Listen, the gospel is this. It's Christ plus nothing. Christ plus. In in other words, there's, there's nothing that you bring other than yourself. It's not like what you have to do. It's not like keeping these rules and regulations. The final work of Christ on the cross is everything we need to be made right with God. As we believe in his son, it's there that we have life. By faith, we enter into a relationship with God. And only by faith. Through that, get this, we're completely forgiven. We're completely accepted. And we're completely loved. Through the provision of Christ. That, my friends, is the good news of the gospel. So if you contrast contrast toxic religion with the pure gospel, this is what you discover. Religion is all about what I do. The gospel is all about what Jesus has done. Religion is about me. The gospel is about Jesus. Religion highlights my efforts to do what is right. The gospel highlights what Christ has already done. Religion lures me to believe that if I obey God more, he'll love me more. But the gospel shows me that because God loves me, I get to obey him. Listen, friends, that truth will set you free. So don't allow someone's toxic religion of of rules and regulations to rob you of the freedom of life that you have in Christ. Jesus Christ himself said these words, whom the Son has set free is free indeed. Whom the Son has set free is free indeed. Interesting, if you read on in the book of Galatians, Paul goes on to write toward the end of the book to the, to the Galatian believers. He said, hey, don't, don't come back to slavery. He said, don't go back to bondage. He said, you've been set free, so live free. I would say the same to you today. Don't get caught up in the rules and regulations. Don't allow someone else's toxic religion to enslave you. And don't you dare enslave someone else with your add-ons, with your rules and regulations. Are there disciplines we should embrace? Well, sure we should. But it's not so God will love me more. It's not so I could be approved more by God or be right with God. No, I embrace daily disciplines in my life. Because I want to live in the love of God in a greater way. Not so God would love me more. So guard your life from toxic religion. Again, don't enslave others with a religion that would rob them of life. And here's a good little side note for all the men today. We're not going to be having a rite of circumcision following the service today. 
Can I get an amen on that? Would you pray with me, Lord? I thank you today for the wonder of your grace. God, I thank you that you sent your son, the perfect one, who fulfilled the demands of the law because we couldn't. Bottom line, we couldn't get there. We could never be good enough. We could never work hard enough. And so you bridged the gap. You made a way where there was no way. You sent your son, Jesus, not to bring us more religion. Not to bring us more rules. Not to bring us more regulations. But to bring us life. Through relationship with you. And for that, we're grateful. Forgive us. Forgive us, Lord, for in any way that we may have, Lord, enslaved others through a religion that was toxic. And Lord, if there's any here today who have allowed a, the thought of an add-on, like if I do this, God's going to love me Lord, more. Lord, that's not true. You, you love them outrageously right where they're at, just as they are. And may they be able to embrace that truth and live free today. For Lord Jesus, you said, whom the Son has set free is free indeed. Not going back to bondage, but truly walking out free. Lord, may we be those who carry the life and the hope of the gospel, the good news to others, bringing them to the freedom that you have for them. With every head bowed and eye closed, possibly, possibly there's someone here today who maybe you've never embraced that of of God's grace for your life. Maybe you've been thinking, well, one of these days I'm going to get good enough. Hear me, friend, you'll never be good enough. Maybe you've been thinking, well, I, you know, I've done so much, God could never love me. No, He loves you outrageously right where you're at today. He sent His Son to die that you might have life, abundant life, eternal life. Not rules, not regulations, but my friend, life. If you're here today, you would just say, Farrell, I've never, I've never received Christ. And I've never received God's grace. I've never made a decision that I want to be a follower of Christ. Because I thought it was about rules, and I really just didn't want rules. But today, I, I just feel this tug on my heart, like, wow, I, I, I want relationship with God. If that's you, would you just raise your hand really quick? I want to pray with you. I see that hand. Anyone else would say, hey, that's me. Today I need Jesus in my life. Would you pray with me? Let's, let's pray this prayer together as we pray with this young lady. Lord Jesus. Thank you for coming to give your life that I might have life. I ask you today to forgive me of my sin. I invite you into my heart to be my Savior. It's my desire to follow you all the days of my life. 
Amen. Would you stand with me? For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.